0: Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D.
1: Graham. (laughs) Bonnie D. in the house, thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure for Only at Voice America. Love your voice, Ryan. Hope you're doing well. I never remember whether on camera I say, future is here or here. So I'll just go up into the ether, the future Mm -hmm. of now. This is a show about the future. I have four futurists with me and we have a very interesting topic haven't covered before. So let me start. And I will tell you that I use chat GPT, a wonderful LLM large language model And it uses AI, and I use it for my research on the topic. So just be aware I'm giving full credit where credit is due. I've found that being polite in my query seems to get different answers. I've had people tell me, if you say please to a chat bot, it will actually give you a different answer than just say give me or tell me. So you really... It's not sentient, but it, it has, it matters, you know, just be nice. So I said, please tell me about the future of professional services, businesses and AI artificial intelligence. And here's the summary of the answer I got the future of professional services, businesses and AI is promising with many opportunities for innovation and growth. Sounds good to me. Overall, the future of AI and professional services is likely to be characterized by listen up greater efficiency and productivity, good from a business point of view, personalized service delivery, good from a client point of view, right? Improved data analysis and insights, good for everybody, greater collaboration and knowledge sharing, oh yes, and enhanced client experiences, sign me up for that. I also did what I love to do is ask, chat GPT, please send me some fictional movie quotes about services businesses, okay? And here's what I got. Jerry Maguire 1996. The key to this business is personal relationships. John, I think you're gonna like that one. Then I have a quote from The Devil Wears Prada, 2006. We're moving up in years here. We're not just selling a service, we're selling an experience. I like that one. I have one from the movie waiting, waiting dot 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 from 2005. In the service industry, it's not about what you do. It's about how you do it. I think Alex is pondering that one. He likes that one. And then we have one more. We provide a service people don't know they need, but they can't live without. That's from the Grand Budapest Hotel from 2014. Those are the movie quotes. Please wave when I call your name. Lenore Horton, welcome back. You were on a couple of weeks ago with Nancy Schick. So happy to have you. And you're the the genius who put this panel together. So I'm thanking you. I'm blaming you if they don't do a good job. I'm only (laughs) teasing. Thank you, Lenore. We have John R. Strohmeyer. John, wave hello. There he is looking all cheery. Whitney Thomas, say hello. There she is. And Alex Freeberg. Hello, Alex. And I'm asking them for their take on the future of professional services and AI what have you done for me lately? Bonnie D in the house, happy to be here. What the day today? It's June 28th. Seriously, we're at the almost the halfway mark in a couple of days. The year is just zooming past, pun intended. So let's go around the table and get some bios. I would love to know who you are. Now, Lenore, for you, because you're not a newcomer to the show, I did the math. I checked. And because you were just on a couple weeks ago and you did such a great job talking about the future of of attorneys in AI, and that's what we're talking about today. We're generalizing it on professional services businesses. Alex likes that one. Uh, Lenore, I did the math and I found out that there are 11.725 people in the world who don't remember you. That's it, I hope you're not upset. <laughs> so could you could you please talk to those 11 point whatever I said? I don't know what their moms and dads were doing, but there's only seven point whatever. Lenore, refresh us, who are you, what do you do, and why? Are you, what's your passion for this topic? Go ahead, welcome.
2: Yes, absolutely, so I'm Lenore Horton. I am the founder and CEO of Horton Legal Strategies. We are a law firm of outside general counsel and IP counsel, intellectual property counsel. We represent founder-led businesses operating at scale. We love representing those businesses that are still being run by the people who started them and who catapulted them to success. So that's our clientele. I am passionate about this topic because there's so much that we have in common as a law firm with other professional services firms. We have to deal with licensing and regulations and I think we have to be ahead of the curve, and I, I find it interesting, even if you don't see yourself as having a high facility for technology, if you are curious about it, you're going to be doing so much better than those who are simply not paying attention to it. So that's that's where I'm coming from, and I, I'm loving it. I'm loving what AI is doing for us.
1: I like the word Curious. Isn't that interesting? Curious, curiosity is the, the seed for innovation, right? For creativity, for new, for fresh, for maybe it's working okay, but maybe it could be different or better. Wouldn't that be nice? Curiosity. Thank you very much. Lenore, and welcome back. Let's go to John R. Strohmeyer. You're brand new, so you have to talk to the whole world, John. We want to know everything, everything you tell us in three minutes. Let's see how you do. Welcome.
0: Well, I I shall do my best, Bonnie. Thank you. I am John Strohmeyer. I am the proprietor of Strohmeyer Law here in Houston, Texas, where we guide our clients through the maze of estate planning, probate, and tax law to help them leave no unfinished business. I come to this as a double board certified attorney, certified in both tax law and estate planning probate law. I'm also a fellow of the American College of Trust and Estate Council, which is what I like to think of as the cool kids club for estate planners. Why am I here? Well, technology is neat. I founded this firm in part to make sure I was using the newest and best tools to make it easy for my clients to, again, leave no unfinished business. So that's always led me to how can we do things better or faster? Do we use ChatGPT in my firm? We do. Do we unleash it without restraint to our clients? Absolutely not. The way I think about it, it is like a team of interns, which means it can help me fill up a blank page, but I would not put it in front of anybody until a live human has taken a look at it and really processed what's in there we're ultimately going to look at this i mean i've got a cousin who is a doctor and a neurologist the way they think about it is the the computers are there to take one pass at things identify some things that the computer thinks is wrong or right or whatever but you still have the human put together and you see and i'm seeing this kind of everywhere every time i talk to people about what ai chat gpt these generative models can do it's Nobody who's a professional is really that worried about it because the cheap and free options were always out there. I'm no more worried about ChatGPT taking my job than I am about LegalZoom or trustandwill.com taking work for me. Those, you know, there are options, there are always free options. I'm here to take care of my clients because, as you identified, yeah, the personal relationship, I come at this from my first career of being in management for the Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts, where knowing that people still will always want to be taken care of, we want to take care of them. They would like the certainty that a human has looked at it and said, this is the right answer for my complicated problem not just I think I typed in the right thing and hopefully I didn't get a hallucinated response from chat GPT
1: John Strohmeyer, that was probably one of the best most well-reasoned explanations of the of the value of using a generative AI a chat bot a chat service very well done uh it, it was almost iconic I want to I want to take I may take that clip and just post it Posted on social media. Very well done. And and the fact that you said you're not afraid of it's taking your job any more than websites taking away work from you, very well put. You you added a perspective of reason and reasonableness and sanity, which a lot of people would like to hear. Oh my God, we're gonna be extinct or we don't have jobs. So what are we yeah, it's uh, I think the the, the horror perspective is is uh, popular because it gets people's, get their blood running. It gets them all hyped up and they want to get excited about something different. Well, pick on AI. Okay. Thank you, John. I hope I'm not over complimenting you. Lenore, is this going to go to his head? I don't know. (laughs) I I don't want to, and all all of you are wonderful. I just was so impressed with the way, and the, the interns, it's like having interns and a human has to check it. Yeah, very well done. Let's move along. Whitney Thomas, so happy to have you here, and thank you for all your communications with me along the way. Appreciate that. Whitney, tell the world who you are, and why are you here? Go ahead
3: thank you bonnie my name is whitney thomas i am the managing attorney for the estate and probate division here at test house law in san antonio texas we are actually a family law firm that recently added an estate planning and probate division in order to help all of our clients reach a happily ever after that also protects their legacy. Uh, So really excited about that. I love technology, though I've been practicing for seven years. I did take a slight break um, from practicing and I worked at the San Antonio Bar Association as the outreach manager. Um, Part of my duties included managing the lawyer referral service program. And I took that 40 Year, year old program that dealt with having on phone referrals and I turned it to a completely online platform. Um, so we give 24 seven referrals, uh, uh, to, uh, the San Antonio base. So I love technology. I love efficiency. And I am so excited about AI because again, with rules and regulations and considerations for ethics, it can be such a tool that can help us with our clients, help with our client communication and content and information for our clients that it has really helped us become a firm that seems probably 10 times as big as than we are. Um, so I'm really excited about
1: it. That is a different perspective than I've heard. Lenore just appeared for a second. I don't know where she is, but her screen is dark. Uh, Whitney, that's very, very interesting. The way you said it makes us look like a much bigger firm because we have, I'm just going to insert a word here. I think we, Lenore, there you are. Your screen went dark for a second here. You're, you're back, you're back. Uh, Whitney, very interesting. That's something that I haven't heard in a long time. When you have a one or two or five or 10 person business, mm-hmm. the, the cachet Oh, I can use a French word, the cachet of saying, oh, we've got a lot of people here to serve you. We've got all these departments and we've got all these staff and we're going to, you know, you're going to get what you need from us. And then saying we've got intelligence that's helping us staff up be big be as big as you need us to big and be and as smart as you want us to be i like that i haven't heard that one in a long time thank you lenore what a panel alex no pressure on you you got to come out we got a bar that's so high today i can't believe it alex freeberg happy to have you here tell us all why are you here what do you do welcome alex
4: thank you bonnie d and and thanks lenore for thinking of me Uh, my name is alex freeberg I've got a trial law firm in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We do personal injury and criminal defense around the state of Wyoming. Uh, we've got an office in Cheyenne as well. And so what gets me fired up is talking to juries, one, right, trial work, and two, um, growing my team and running my business. So I love um, that I get to talk about these things with you. And what I tell folks, uh, so we represent Individuals, right? We represent folks who have been either accused of a crime or have been um, usually hurt through the negligence of someone else. And in those kinds of cases, we are always inevitably the underdog, right? We're David taking on Goliath. We're not going to have more resources than State Farm or a large insurance company or corporation. Uh, We can certainly outwork them. And I think by the time we get to trial, we've made an equal investment in the case or more. And so I'm excited about AI as a way to supplement my team and help David uh, have a few more rocks in his slingshot to take on Goliath.
1: I like that. Alex, you have such a comforting voice. If I (laughs) needed to go before a jury, I would want you at the table by my side. I really would. What do you think of all of the, uh, I I won't ask about reality, but any uh, police procedurals, detective procedurals, have have you watched? I'm gonna recommend a show to you, Alex, and to everybody. It's a Korean show, and you can get it with English voiceovers and titles if you want it. I think it's Netflix, and it's called Extraordinary Attorney Woo, W-O-O. Lenora's heard of it. It's an I amazing... It. Season one, it was the most popular show in Korea, South Korea, after the Squid Game. It's that popular. Yeah. 16 episodes in season one. I am so upset that I binged on the whole thing in one week, two weeks ago, and I miss Woo. She is a high functioning Asperger's on the spectrum attorney who didn't speak until age five and I'll just give away the clue at age five, she witnessed an altercation between her dad and the man who owned the house they were renting their apartment from. I ended with a preposition I'm sorry for that, all you English majors the house the man from which from whom they were renting their apartment and he was having a fight with somebody on the street and it was getting verbally and physically a little bit violent and she covered her ears like this. And all of a sudden she said, according to page 365 in the law journal, on the uh, the addition of uh, assaulting somebody in a public setting, you are in violation. of." And she started quoting the law at five years old and she had never spoken. Okay. And from there, her father took her home because he had to start a restaurant because of what happened in his life. You'll find out in the series. He, he was running a restaurant and, uh, he gave up his law career and he still had law books this thick on tables all around the apartment. And she was reading them as a child instead of talking. She was she had an eidetic memory. She was memorizing the law books and she became a brilliant attorney. But she had mannerisms and things that she liked to do that made her very difficult to assimilate. But if you want to see somebody talking to a jury in that setting, Alex, you will probably be fascinated and charmed by the show. It's it's nuanced. It's it's fantastic. You'll just fall in love with where Her name is Wu Young Wu, forwards and backwards. It's the same as rotor and race car. And that's <laughs> what she says every time somebody meets her. She's she's a riot, but it's very well done. Anyway, let's get on to our topic. I just gave some quotes there. Okay. Thank you all for the introductions. Lenore. again, wonderful job getting this panel together. I like the variety and I like that we're, we've touched on different types of law and somebody said they had a relative who's a doctor. I think that was you, John. So we brought in the medical as a professional services practice. So let's go to the quotes. I've asked you all for a quote from a fictional character in a movie or TV show or a song lyric that is not technically on our topic at all, but you're going to talk about what it has to do with our topic. So Lenore has picked... A song and a studio album from Leonard Cohen from 1988, I'm Your Man. It was his eighth studio album. Uh, He's, everybody probably remembers him, Canadian singer-songwriter. And um, let's see, this song hit number 57 on the French charts after he died. The album cover may be Cohen's most memorable, Lenore, featuring the dapper singer eating a banana. I don't know if you were aware of that but apparently it was iconic. I don't know if you know the the background, but Leonard Cohen, his manager stole all his money and sold off all the rights to his music and to his poetry and everything. And he had to go back on the road later in his years to recoup his his finances, basically, to rebuild his wealth. And that's what happened in the last couple of years so uh he apparently had a hard time writing this and he said to someone an interviewer i sweated over that one in the songwriters on songwriting book by paul zolo here's the quote lenore it's a long one if you want a lover i'll do anything you ask me to and if you want another kind of love i'll wear a mask for you if you want a partner take my hand if you want to strike me down in anger here i stand i'm your man i wish i could growl like leonard cohen (laughs) (laughs) Lenore, help us out. This is beautiful. I don't know whether we're watching a love movie or we're, yeah, we're watching Leonard Cohen on stage. What does this have to do with our topic? Lenore, go ahead.
2: Yeah, well, honestly, I love, uh, I love Leonard Cohen's writings. I actually have a a part of one of his poems uh, as a tattoo. Interesting, (laughs) interesting side note. But I, I love this quote for this topic, because that's a bit how ai shows up it's kind it, you know it's able to adapt for what you're looking for and in a way it says oh i can do everything now is that true i don't know about that but i do think it offers a lot and it can show up in a lot of different ways for people and so if you say hey i want this you've got an ai <laughs> you know product or software out there that can service that and if you want something else well there's so many options even if you find if, if you choose a narrow a narrow area like um, live transcription you still have so many options for that and so whenever i thought about that quote it's kind of like whatever you're asking for up pops ai to say i'm your man i can help you out there
1: I like that. I didn't know you could use it for live transcription. I'll talk to you later because sometimes I want to transcribe a show. And I, I, I tried a service called Nata, N O T T A, and it gave me in less than three minutes a full 35-minute uh, interview show. But it didn't attach the names to any of the speakers or the paragraphs. So it was just sentence to sentence. And I had to go through and listen to it again. It gave me the, the tracks, the track marks of, wh- oh, that was a terrible word. It gave me the, the cues to the sound, the audio of where the person had spoken. But I had to go through. It took me two hours to attach the names of all the speakers because it was for a client. A oh, little wow. clunky. Yeah. So I would rather have something a little more. A little more uh, interestingly done, better done. Thank you, John Strohmeyer. I'm looking at your quote. Jake the Dog, vo- voiced by Joe DiMaggio from the American animated TV series Adventure Time on the On Cartoon Network, 2008 to 2010, created by Pendleton Ward. And the it's The Adventures of Finn, a boy voiced by Jeremy Shada, and his best friend, adoptive brother, Jake the dog played by DiMaggio, a dog with magical power to change his shape and size at will. Jake is one of the two protagonists and he also appeared in the spin-off series, Adventure Time, Distant Lands. Jake says he has 28 in magical dog years. We'll just leave that alone. Here's the quote, very interesting, John. Sucking at something is the first step toward being sort of good at something. I don't know what Jake's voice sounded like. So you want to okay. give me- oh, oh, thank you very much. Help relate this to our topic, please, John.
0: And this is one of the quotes that I keep around everywhere. It's the, you know, the short reminder that you're not going to come out of the gate and be first or good at anything. You have to accept that no matter what you're going to do, it's going to be rough and hard going until you get your bearings. Now, whether it's true for me with AI, my associates doing things for the first time because they just got out of law school and they're learning to do things, it's okay. You know, understand that because you're getting started at something it's expected that you're not going to be good at it and because we don't expect to be good at it it allows us the freedom to kind of fail in a more productive manner and learn more effectively now things that when we go to ai hey we're going to ask it a question we're going to ask it to do something and it may give us back some hallucinated garbage Well, we can take that, refine either how we ask it or take the product and say, are you sure about that, ChatGPT? Are you sure that was really true? Uh, Maybe refine it and take that out. Or just learning, hey, here's this new trick. We didn't know that we could, the first time we asked it, when we give it something, hey, refine this, maybe make it shorter. Can you cut this off? I like the idea here, could you turn that into a few more sentences. So knowing that we'll get better by using it, I, you know, where we are now, hopefully our skills at it 6 months from now are much greater and that's the idea. We're kind of moping around in the dark trying to figure out how to use it as we get better, we'll get stronger at it and it'll be more of a useful tool for us.
1: Thank you very much, John. I've heard that there's a new job description or a job category for prompt coach. Anybody heard of that? No, it doesn't surprise me. I'm doing a show on the future of online instruction and AI in a couple weeks, and one of the predictions from an upcoming guest was we will have teachers as prompt coaches, helping students figure out what prompt to use, how to word it. Right? Interesting. So there's a new. So if I don't get anything going in my radio business this year, if it falls off the charts, I might become a prompt coach. I think that we, Lenore, you think I'd make a good prompt coach? Yes, I do. Oh, she's you very were very helpful in it. prompting
2: us <laughs> for the prep.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. You're very kind. Whitney Thomas is up next. John, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, Whitney has a quote from Burt Goodman, played by the wonderful Christopher Walken. Is there anything he hasn't done well in the movie since we've known? I know, I know. This is from Severance, Season 1, Episode 7, March twenty fifth, 2022. Just last year, the episode was called Defiant Jazz. It's an American sci-fi psychological thriller on Apple TV. Plus, I have that among my many. I keep getting roped into signing up for more and more versions of, you know, Prime and everything else. Yes, I don't even look anymore. Bert is the severed, going with severance, severed chief of the optics and design division, which is drawn to Irving. He is drawn to Irving John Torturo, And the plot is that, Uh, Let's see. Mark, played by, I'm trying to look at who all the people are who play Adam Scott, is an employee of Lumon, like Lemon, but with a U instead of an E. Lumon Industries. He agrees to a severance program in which his non work and his work memories are separated. It's absurd humor inside a strange concept. Very, very interesting. Here's the quote Whitney has selected I'm certain you will remain with me in spirit in some deep and yet completely inaccessible corner of my mind. Okay, Whitney, you're up. Talk to us. Well, even though that quote probably
3: comes from a very dark scene, um, I related it here because I think all in all, I know that we're nervous about as professional service providers that AI is going to take our job. But I would beg to differ that that's not true. And I would beg to say that AI is going to help us complete our job better. And at the end of the day, clients are not going to care how the job got done. They are going to be reminded how they felt during the process and what they got out of it. I know when I help families through probate, they they don't want to know what I'm putting in my application to the court, what I'm arguing in court. They want to make sure that the job gets done. Um, Same with divorce. I don't care what's in the petition. I just want to make sure that I'm, I get rid of this spouse that is harming my life. <laughs> um, so I want to to say that the use of technology isn't a cheat sheet. It isn't a way for us to uh, not be able to do our jobs or what we have been educated for. It is a way to get things done efficiently. And at the end, the client will not care. They will just make know how they felt and they will know what product they received and what result that they received after.
1: Very, very interesting. Thank you very much, Whitney. Um, I call AI the solution or the potential solution to what I call blank page pain syndrome. John knows what Mm -hmm. I'm talking, I think you're all nodding. I was, I'm an early woman in tech, and I was a programmer analyst back in the day coding in COBOL on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 mainframe computer for the state of Oregon, believe it or not. What in the heck is a New York girl going, to oh, where Eugene, Oregon for? I have no idea, but it was just one step on my journey cross country. There we go. So my point is that you look at a blank page and somebody says, okay, we need this report. And you look at the page, you say, crap, what do I do now? Well, you just start coding and coding, coding, but you need a design. AI is giving us that that start that spark when I went to AI and I said what's the future of professional services and AI it gave me something it gave me a couple of bullets and a couple of sentences and I'm also writing a scathing satire novella I don't think I'm gonna make it to a 300 page novel but on a whim I went to chat GPT and I said what about the story of a man who hates puppets a detective and a mystery a murder mystery about a man who hates people who act like puppets and within I'd say within five seconds chat GPT gave me an opening paragraph of about 12 sentences that was a fully formed opening to a novel it was absolutely fabulous and then i said make the detective a female so it gave a name to the female and the village and what she was doing and what the welcome to the murder by puppet mystery series or something like that it was a i've saved it and i read it to some of my guests on my monday night creativity show they say what where did that come from so it's it gets rid of that blank page fear if, if anybody has, it's just an idea, right? Whitney, it's a spark. It's yeah. something that helps you get started. And as John said, You have to treat it like an intern that doesn't know a lot and needs a little help from a smarter human. There you go. Thank you very much. I like when you spark ideas. You're bringing back a lot of memories for me. Alex Freeberg, this is an interesting quote. It's seven little words, probably the shortest one on the show so far. Marion Ravenwood, played by the wonderful Karen Allen in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981 action-adventure film directed by, of course, Steven Spielberg. It was not very popular because it was being compared to Superman, too. I don't know if you know this, Alex, but despite that, it was the highest grossing film of 1981. It earned three, $330.5 million worldwide and praised for the modern take on the serial genre, nonstop action and adventure, and the cast. It won five Oscars, seven Saturns, and one BAFTA, but people weren't too excited about it when it came out. So here is the quote. I have no idea what you're going to do with this, Alex. I can't wait. The quote he picked is, the most gifted bum he ever trained. And I think there's a gunshot that comes right after that. <laughs> Alex, what in the world's going on here? Talk to me. All right, let, let, me, let me tie this up, right? Because actually there's like two meanings to this
4: quote. So let's Ooh. set the stage, okay? Indiana Jones is walking with the beautiful Marion uh, through Cairo, through Egypt. And it's like one of those mo- moments where the director lets you catch your breath breath before like the chase scene happens. Okay. And she's looking at Indiana Jones, her one-time love interest, right? And Indiana Jones was trained by her dad. Okay. So that's, that's sort of the setup for that. Her dad's the famous um, archaeologist. And she looks at Indiana Jones and she says something like, my, you're the most gifted bum he ever trained, my dad ever trained. And I'm like, the one hand at like just the straight up superficial level, the most gifted bum he ever trained is actually like a pretty good working definition of a large language model, right? So the, in, this, in this situation, right, the BUM is the software, the large language model. It's not like inherently all that interesting, okay? But then you train it on this massive amount of data, just all the data you can throw at it, and somehow turning in all this text, running it through the BUM, through the model, um, puts out this gift. And that is the emergent property of running a whole bunch of text from the internet through math, which is basically what GPT-4, GPT-3, or any of them, any of these large language models are doing. And you get this totally interesting gift, which is you can talk to it like a chatbot. So I love that because like, it's, it's not a bad way of explaining what happens in a large language model, which is interesting. But then the next part is where I think the professional services people should get excited, right? So they're walking through Cairo. She's just said that to him. Indy's kind of wrestling with it. Like this monkey scampers off and tells the Nazis. And so all of a sudden, like they're getting chased. Uh, Marion ends up in like the basket. And then this big swordsman comes out and Indiana Jones has to fight him. And like, this is a scene my dad told me about And My dad like, he was not like a cinephile, okay. But I remember like talking about this with my dad and uh and the swordsman he's all dressed in black he's like seven feet tall and he's swinging this like big sword and indiana jones is like got his whip and you're looking at him and you're like how's the guy with the whip gonna beat the guy with the sword i don't see how this is gonna happen and then indiana jones like pulls out his gun bam shoots the guy takes him out and my dad just loved it it like subverted your expectation or whatever um and I think that's like the opportunity or the promise, right, for David taking on Goliath in this moment, because there's a small window here where if you know about AI and the professional that you're competing against doesn't, it's your gun, okay? It's your gun, and you can take him out. I don't think that window's going to last all that long, right, because the swordsman eventually, like the other people watching, are be like, well, I don't need to learn how to use a sword anymore. I need, I need the gun. So, you know, but for right now in 2023, I don't think all of us are using AI to the full extent of its potential because we're sort of figuring that out together. Um, so, let's be Indiana Jones. And, fun piece of trivia about Bonnie D. Yes. Uh, Harrison Ford actually lives in Jackson Hole. That's not the trivia. Um, but he was sick. They were like, they had this whole fight scene planned, and he was sick, and he was like, ah, screw it. Let's just shoot him. And so, they did that instead. And so I kind of think, like, that's interesting, too, because sometimes magic in cinema is sort of an accident, right? And that's how it can work in the courtroom and how it can work if you play around with AI.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. Do you know that the line from Jaws, Alex, we're going to need a bigger boat? Do you know that <laughs> was an ad lib <laughs> that had nothing to do with the script of the movie? Did you all know that? Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, the producers were C-H-E-A-P and there wasn't mm-hmm. enough food in the in the craft set up for, for the staff and the boat was not big enough that they were using where all the equipment was mm-hmm. and people started saying, you're going to need a bigger boat. You're not going to need a big. And all of a sudden, Roy Scheider picked it up and he started using it in the film he just dropped it in it wasn't there it wasn't scripted and then it came down to the cutting room and there was a a woman I don't remember her name Edna comes to mind but I don't remember and she was the final editor and she said dang, this is really good. And she left it in the movie. It became the 100, I think the 114th most iconic line in the history of American film. And it was just, so when you said that he was sick and he said, just take out the gun, you know, don't bring a sword to a gunfight. Thank you very much, Alex. We love our movie trivia here very much. Thank you all for the quotes. We're gonna move into the part of the show where I'm going to pick a prediction from each of you. Each generously sent me four. I've already picked one from Lenore, I put it into the chat for her privately so I don't disturb anybody. I'm gonna read it. Lenore, unpack it. We're looking at, oh, we got about 20 minutes left. Uh, take about two minutes and unpack it. If anybody, Alex, John, or Whitney, wants to comment on it, wiggle one of your polite fingers at me. I only answer to the polite fingers. Wiggle one of your fingers. Lenore's been here, she knows how to do this. <laughs> she knows why. And, uh, wiggle a finger and, and then you'll have a about a one minute response. And you can disagree with Lenore. You don't have to agree with her. By the time that's going on, John, I will have picked a prediction for you and put it in a private chat. And then while you're doing yours, I'll pick one for Whitney and Alex, and let's see how far we can go. So Lenore Horton says, number one, ethical boards, policymakers, and ethics advisors will provide considerable guidance and best practices to support reasonable use of expanded AI features with professional services. I'm just going to stop there and let you finish it. Lenore, go ahead.
2: (laughs) Yes. I, and, and, you know, I give some examples around this, not in the context of AI, but in the context of other groundbreaking advancements in how people were showing up with their professional services. So we're talking accountants, we're talking um, medical and dental practitioners. We're talking lawyers and law firms, right? A lot of professional services out there. We're dealing with licensed professionals. And I think, um, The one thing that is common for all of these is that you typically have ethical boards. You know, we're professional services, we're licensed services because there's some sort of trust when it comes to public trust that is held in the type of work that the person is doing. It can significantly affect the person's rights, um, it can significantly affect their assets, things like that. And so there are typically, with that licensing, it comes some sort of oversight, ethical boards. Bar counsel, for example, to deal with complaints, and that's also true when it comes uh, when we we step outside of law firms and we look at other professional services. I generally, I generally believe, and genuinely as well, (laughs) believe that these these boards want to see the profession be successful. They want to support. a public trust in what people are doing and how they're behaving in the profession. And I know that there are times where I certainly disagree with their take on things, um, or I feel like it goes too far in certain aspects. But on the whole, I do think they want to see us as professionals be successful and that they expend quite a bit of time and energy in that. And part of that is giving guidance. They look at the developments that are happening, and they see how it impacts services. And they. I expect that they will give guidance on how should you be implementing this what should you be mindful of how to interpret our previous policy decisions and our current rules or regulations when it comes to this the the, the development of the technology so I I expect that that will continue we saw this for example in a non-ai context we saw this with flat fees and unbundled legal services and the use of like selling legal forms. We saw a lot of significant guidance around that. And I expect that they're going to step up and do it again. Um, but like Alex says, we're at a moment where there's a window. And so, uh, until they step in and give guidance, we've got to think about, well, how do we apply it so that we don't end up in trouble? Now, some of it is obvious where you don't Hallucinated cases <laughs> to a judge, but some of it is going to be subtle,
1: and um, and I'm I'm really curious about that, especially for the moment we're in now. Thank you very much. Anybody? I didn't see any fingers wiggle. Anybody have a comment? Uh, Whitney, I saw you first. Go ahead. One minute.
3: Okay. Um, I I also think about the how fast it will take these regulatory boards and ethic boards to respond um, and that worries me a little bit too because i think just like alex said that this is going to be a quick moment technology moves fast um, I, I was on a panel last week and i heard someone say that i, I believe uh, there was just an ethics opinion you know a few years ago on reply all using reply all in in lawyer world. And we've had email for years. So I get a little concerned at how Mm -hmm. fast the ethics boards are going to react. And I think that that's a consideration and something that us um, as a part of these professional boards need to use our own judgment before
0: those opinions come out
1: interesting interesting john i saw you wiggle go ahead yeah.
0: uh i'm going to largely agree with Ledora. yeah we'll get that it kind of build on what whitney said i think it was maybe six or seven or eight years ago that the aba came out with guidance on you know using email as a technology and i remember being at a firm before i opened this one where one of the partners i just remember him say they think we don't know how to use email i remember thinking to myself Yes, they know you don't know how to use it because I see you kind of blasting things around, you know, sending out PDFs that are not as secure or, you know, how many times have I seen people say, here's a document, I'll send you the PDF in the next email as though that does anything or send you the, the password for that. You know, it's like if they've already compromised it, your email, they can get to it. And for most of the times, it's your password is the last four digits of your your social, wink, wink. And so, you know, we're going to get some of this guidance. It really still, we're going to be in the, the zone where people are going to be blundering into terrible mistakes, no matter the guidance we get. But I look forward to how can we reasonably use this by people who are thinking about this, you know, more than just me as on a daily basis.
1: Thank you, Alex, talk. Uh,
4: so, Bonnie, this relates to a branch of the government, but not to politics. Okay, but building off of the email issue and how well lawyers use email. There was a throwaway line in the New York Times article about the investigation of the leaked Supreme Court opinion. And it said the investigation was going to be difficult because the, the opinion had been attached to an email and circulated to like 70 to 80 people, like every justice, every clerk, all of their staff. So, like, at the highest level, I would be shocked, actually, John and Lenore and Whitney, if in your law firms you did your most important legal work by emailing each other copies of an opinion or a a legal document rather than, you know, storing the file in a way that you can track who's using it and collaborate on the document in real time and sort of comment on it instead of just hey 80 people here's a document what do you think
1: hey 80 people who (laughs) might parlay that into forwards to another 80 million people right thank you all Uh, lenore thank you for a good a good jumping off point i want to stick to the ai theme but thank you very much John Strohmeyer, I put your prediction number three in the chat and you said it was okay. So you say, because of how generative AI is currently trained on scripts, that's the key to this one, it will create too much risk for any service professional to make it part of the frontline client experience. I need you to define that for us, please. Those of us right. who are not and in the business, so, Go ahead.
0: Yeah, a few things that I want to make sure that we're being clear about terms on. So I'll start with generative AI. This is the chat gpt you know bard all the rest of those where it is answering a question and then it is putting the next word in line that it is think that it thinks using i think it's what markov chains uh to figure out what is the most likely word to come next what i'm not talking about with this are things that are effectively decision trees like if you think of a type form survey monkey where it's asking questions and then branching off into you answered it this way so we're going to do this that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the generative AI. So service professionals, everybody here, those of us who are paid to get a result. We're here to, you know, try and get somebody divorced, get them in it, out of jail, solve a problem. And then finally, the frontline client experience. So as somebody who worked for the Four Seasons Hotel, there's the difference between the service that you know, we give, what we're doing, how we're delivering our technical expertise, and what the clients are receiving as that experience. You know, The service brings the experience to the client. There's no experience without the client. So what are we talking about? Anything that a client's going to see, we're not going to risk ChatGPT, generative AI, hallucinating some terrible answer to this person who just comes to our website and says, hey, can I leave a trust in place for my dog for the next 4,000 years? And it may make up any sort of foolish nonsense. What we could use it for is, well, look, we're going to pull something in. I had an article that I wrote years ago on estate planning for pets. We took it and we knew we wanted to kind of update it. So we fed it through ChatGPT and said, hey, turn this into an email and kind of give us some bullet points so that we can tell our clients what to think about. And mostly it just reformatted things, but it came up, you know, this good team of interns thinking about things for the first time came up with, make sure that you've added powers to your durable power of attorney to take care of your pets if you're incapacitated. I looked at it and I was like, you know what? We We already have something like that in our wills, directing executors to keep pets in standard of care to which they had become accustomed while you, the owner, were alive. But now we just ported that over to our powers of attorney Mm -hmm. to make sure that our agents are doing the same thing. And so, again, it's the filter that it'll come up with some good ideas. It'll do, you know, we, we use it a lot for grammatical cleanup of transcripts. That's what it's there for. But the potential for it to hallucinate answers, case law, nonsense i would not put it built unfiltered in front of my clients
1: thank you very well put anybody anybody wiggling uh we don't have to okay you're all very happy I with actually, what oh Eleanor! I, yeah. please
0: go ahead
2: one minute go ahead i do you know i i i like that you're picking up on the the point of the scripts because it's it's not coming necessarily up with anything new it's presenting what's already out there and yes. Um, and 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 likely to be, you know, searched by it or reviewed by it, it's presenting it in a different way based off of the its understanding of the colloquial speech or the way that you're supposed to speak based upon the settings that you have. And so, you know, it all depends on what's already out there, right? Yes. If, if there's not good quality uh, items that are already out there, then you are not gonna get something good. And sometimes I think the speed makes it do things like hallucinate. It's like, oh, well, I know what a case looks like. I know the format of a case. I know what the case captions kind of look like. And so I'll just make one up that says the things that you want it to say. And so, you know, it it all depends on what's out there and how it's actually understanding the request.
1: And I, I was hit with this when I asked my usual, give me some movie quotes on a particular topic for a show recently. It made up the names of the movies and it made up the quotes. And I, was, I researched everything and I went to find and it wasn't. I went back and I said, I can't find this movie. And it said, oh, I thought you wanted totally fictional. So I had to reformat my prompt for future movie quotes. I want fictional characters in real movies. It took three tries to get that. John, very quickly, what did you want to say about right. it?
0: Right, the, the thought, ChatGPT wants to answer your question. and That's part of the background of what's going on. It wants to give you an answer. It wants to be helpful, like all of us do. You've just got to be worried that, yeah, fictional quote from a real movie, make sure you've asked it the
1: right way. Absolutely. Very well put. Whitney Thomas, you're next. I'm going to take the liberty of combining two of Whitney's predictions because I like them both. And they come at the same topic from two different angles. So let's get through this. And we have just enough time for a prediction from Alex after this. So we're going to keep it tight. So Whitney says, number three, generative AI will create a more educated and slightly more sophisticated potential client base. Leads are much more likely to know what they want. But her prediction four says competency in AI tools will be a requirement for entry level and lower level positions. I like the way you put those two. They they could have actually been in the same one. Whitney, take your two, two and a half minutes and go ahead and then we'll look for some quick responses. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, we, we can't just take the chat GPT and the AI as a tool for the person providing the professional service. It is open to our clients. And I what I think is that professional services, we are going to have to make sure that we can provide just a little bit more, maybe provide a little bit more of our personality into helping these clients because now we're not going to be the know-all Um, source for them. And I think it will also be a little bit more difficult to get clients. Um, I think when we had, you know, back in the past, a lot of times when there was, we'll just use, for instance, a lawyer, um, the family lawyer. If I went to the family lawyer for advice, because he's the family lawyer, I'm going to follow what he says or what she says. Uh, But now there are clients that are coming in with questions with research, and I think that that makes our job, in some sense, a little bit easier in not having to explain things to clients. But as well, we're going to have to provide a little bit more pizzazz. Um, so I really, I really like how that's going to change things for us. Um, same with billing and how we um, have our clients perceive what we do. Our clients are going to know kind of what's under the hood. So we need to make sure that we're providing a little bit more, a little bit more pizzazz.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to move on. I just have a quick comment, but I'm going to move on to Alex's prediction because we're looking at seven minutes left and I want to make sure. But I just want to say a couple of years ago, there was, I believe, a big debate among executives. Did a CEO, anybody in the C-suite need to... Be on LinkedIn. Did they need to understand social media? Was that a requirement? Did they need a profile online? If they didn't have a presence, did they exist? So now we're looking at professionals in business and services firms needing to understand AI and how to use it and being trained on it because your clients are. Period. End of story. Alex, thank you very much, Whitney. Alex, here's your prediction number two. I like this, and this is getting down to the the core of the whole topic here. Alex says AI will force professional services firms to focus on the thing AI cannot provide, closer human connections. If LLMs, large language models, make it really easy for a C student to generate an A-level document, most professional service firms can generate a document. So what's left? The client relationship. Take your two minutes and a half. Go ahead, Alex. Alex, you're muted, dear, unmute. There oh, my go. goodness.
4: Amateur hour over here. I was drinking <laughs> coffee and didn't want you to hear the sound of my swallowing.
1: That's okay. As long as it's good coffee. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> but let's, let's just back off. So there's the premise, right? A professional service firm. I don't care if you're a lawyer, a doctor, uh, whoever, a consultant. What you're doing is giving a client who trusts you a mixture of a deliverable, like the PowerPoint, the document, the PDF, whatever – and the advice how you deliver it the sitting down there and giving them the four seasons uh, level of interaction that, that john's talking about and so you've got those two pieces that's the, those are the two pieces in my model of how a professional service firm works and you can quibble with that but i think the large language models in particular make it really really easy for folks to generate good documents yes there needs to be a human review which we've talked about but if if everyone can kind of get to a good document, and if a good document is good enough, right? And so what I mean by that is, you know, like take a divorce. You might have parents uh, arguing over who should have custody. On some level, once a brief is good enough, the judge is going to look at the facts and make the best determination. So the second best lawyer with better facts will get cust. Will have his client or her client will get custody because of the facts, right? So. In this instance, I think if LLMs make it easier for all of us to make deliverables and our deliverables get a little bit more similar even than what's left, the close connection that you establish with your clients. And we should all be focusing on that anyway.
1: There's the sauce. There's the magic secret sauce. Anybody have a comment? Lenore, go ahead. Unmute, dear.
2: Yes. I was thinking, you know, there is one other thing that professional services firms do that AI can't. And it relates to the trust. And that is, Uh, ChatGPT doesn't come with malpractice insurance, you know, (laughs) they don't come with, with right, that will uh, adjudicate fee disputes, and so I do think that ties in with the trust aspect. I don't know if it's top of mind for clients, but it's a definite distinction between what those products can do and what an actual firm or professional can do. Now, that doesn't give a distinction between if you're dealing with choosing different professional services, choosing those actual professionals. And I think, Alex, that's where you're right, that those who are in it right now versus those who are delaying embracing what's
1: happening, that's going to be the moment. Anybody else? Thank you, Lenore. Anybody quick? John, quick. One minute. Go.
0: Yeah, I was just going to kind of build on this. You're right. I, I agree. You know, people are coming to us for that deliverable, you know, the result they're not coming to us for what we normally get lumped into with, you know, we're the service economy, so we're like restaurants at Four Seasons and Disney. I mean, given a free Saturday, our clients are going to go to the restaurant Disney or Four Seasons 99 times out of 99 chances. They're not going to come spend it with us to get some advice. And so when we think about GPT, it's like it's building on how it's trying to replicate our technical skills, you know, first the just base level knowledge we should have gotten in law school and then learning how to, you know, not just learning what to do, but how do you actually draft that brief? But finally, the expert status that we actually offer that's different is we know that when we look at our tool shed, we need to pick up this hammer to hit that nail for the client to get that result. And again, it's just because ChatGPT is trained on scripts. It doesn't know really what it's doing. That's where we're still going to be valuable, and I don't see ChatGPT or any of the other AIs coming and taking our lunch.
1: And I'm going to suggest that L-L-L-M, large language model be limited large language model, because last I I was aware, ChatGPT was limited to a database of facts from 2021. So if yes. you ask for anything, it doesn't go to the web. It doesn't Google. It doesn't Bing. It doesn't look. And I asked it for novels from a friend of mine who's a deep sea diver in Cozumel, and he's written wonderful murder mysteries about uh, buried treasure. And it said he had written six books, two of whom, which were not his, but it was sure that yeah, he was thrilled to find out that his bookshelf had been expanded. Alex, I can give you 30 seconds. That's it. Go.
4: Okay. <laughs> Sometimes uh, computer engineers from Silicon Valley call me, and I think they struggle with the idea that there's a question that I know the answer to that they can't Google. So, you know, what is this particular attorney on the other side going to do based on this limited set of facts? Mm-hmm. That's not something you can look up on the internet. I, I, We know it because of our personal relationships with these people, with the judges, the courts, whoever. Um, but it's not necessarily something that can Google. So you have to kind of educate folks. Like
1: Absolutely. Lenore, everybody give Lenore a round of applause for putting together this absolutely stellar, brilliant panel. Lenore, I appreciate you. I have a quick homework assignment for all of you before we go. I want you to all put up your finger as we're going to wave like this, like scolding. Alex, put up that scolding finger. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying no, no, no. Very, very loud. So people say the future is already here. And our answer is one two three
2: no no no
1: No. that's because that was yesterday's future you put your finger down now whitney that was yesterday's future or the future was oops when i finished that last sentence it's already in the past what are we gonna do we're all here doing our best to make it a better future for all of us bonnie d signing off don't go away we're gonna take pictures